Broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Stolen Droids Podcast. I'm Zonic. I'm Zook. I'm yeah. triggered. <laughs> See, around here when we say trigger warning, it's not like we're about to talk about something that might be considered a trigger subject for other people. No, we're warning you that Zoner is triggered. I am triggered. Um, oh, crap. Which could sound like a lot of different things, Joe. Yes, we know. Hey, speaking of, Joe, we're brought to you by our friends over at trekradio.net, kryptonradio.com, openbookaudio.com, stitcher.com, WP Cycle Web Hosting, Radio KSCR, Geek Factor Radio, and Eagle Moss Limited, and Salt Lake Comic Con, which, from this time of this recording, we're looking like 11 days. Yeah, it's it's creeping up close, and if you haven't heard my interview with Dan Farr yet, go check it out. And I forgot to mention, WP Cycle was a sponsor of that episode. I failed. You uh, do fail. I, I fail in so many different aspects of, of life, but that was one specific aspect that I failed on. You know, that was a great interview, and I'm sorry I wasn't, I was supposed to be there interviewing with you. I always just want to... I was Dan is a great guy. If you haven't heard the episode, you really owe it to yourself to listen to it. He's a great guy. He's very, very humble. He really does love the, I don't want to say the art of the Comic-Con, but just the very, you know, what a Comic-Con is, what any comics convention is. He really does love it. But I always just want to ask him, like, has, has there been any part of it that you've since learned that you just despise about this whole thing? And see what he says. <laughs> well, you know, we should be seeing him in about 11 days. Get your chance then. Yeah, I mean, he'd never say it on camera because no good, you know, conventioner would. Oh my gosh, I hate those vendors. Well, guess what? Then the vendors are going to hear that interview, and yeah. But I'm always kind of curious, you know. I can't stand that one fan who sits there and screams for freebies, or I can't stand that one agent who never gets, never returns our call until the day of the convention. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would suck. But you, you know, know what I'm saying? There has to be something. Oh, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's about a dozen things that just frustrate the crap out of him being in his position. But you know, it it's interesting too because I I was in his office for about an hour uh, that day, and I got to see and hear some stuff uh, that other people weren't privy to. Just that goes on behind the scenes. Like for instance, I knew that they were getting the Vivint smart home arena for the mark hamill panel so there'll be twenty thousand seats available if you care to go see mark hamill you know um but i knew that that was taking place and that that was going to be announced last i think it was last year before comic-con i does, knew does mark hamill know that because that would be the most intimidating thing ever to walk into <laughs> oh i would hope so uh, but, you know, I knew that they were going to be announcing additional Marvel guests, and they ended up, who was it, uh, Jeremy Renner, I think. Um, I think it was Jeremy Renner that they announced. Um, you know, I keep, I, I've I've learned a couple things here, uh, and it's it's really kind of cool just to see the joy and the excitement that takes that takes over their faces uh, behind the scenes when they do this. It's It's a lot of fun. I will say, uh, when Mark Hamill walks into his panel, if they don't play Luke Be a Jedi tonight, they will have seriously missed an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I, we yeah we should suggest that. Maybe it'll post go, it in the in the Comic Con group on Facebook. It, it'll go right into the bin with our, all of our other suggestions. I'm sure. Probably, I don't know though. I've actually got a suggestion that may be coming. So, 
Oh. We'll, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see if they make this guest announcement. But I'll, I'll just say I was communicating with with talent agents and Comic Con as kind of a middleman. So I felt pretty awesome there for about five minutes. Oh, very cool, very cool. Uh, no real feedback this week, other than from Joe, who uh, I guess was shaking her head for about fifty minutes, fifty-five minutes last time our show to air in equal parts disbelief and uh, shame. I think maybe a little bit of disgust and sadness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone knows Joe, if you could tell us if there's still any light in her eyes, or have we just completely extinguished it? But uh, no other feedback other than that. Yeah, that's always fun when we get feedback from Joe and we immediately start to question what was it specifically that kind of pushed over the edge this time? <laughs> Let us know so we can tow that line again. Yes, because that's a fun line to tow and occasionally jump over. I don't know. That, that's, we, we can't keep using that line. It sounds weird. This is one of those things that the more you say it, the weirder it sounds. <laughs> yeah. True. So into our headlines, because we don't have any other feedback. Um, and this one is kind of a follow-up to one from a while ago. Google very quietly announced Duo. No, I take that back. They very quietly launched Duo. They didn't so quietly announce it a few months back at their last developer I.O. Yeah. Um, and this week, they launched it. They didn't tell anyone they launched it. It just suddenly popped up on the Play Store. And if it hadn't been for us watching uh, the Android news sources and Schmitty, because he's like evidently wired straight into the Google RSS, um, I would have missed it. I would have yeah. missed it entirely. I saw it going, I saw Reddit going crazy on it. You know, I haven't downloaded it yet. I have. I've used it. It's amazing. Now, if you need a refresher, Google Duo is a one-to-one -one video conferencing system. It's like the Android equivalent of Apple's FaceTime. You don't need a Hangouts account. You don't need really anything. You just need a phone number, and that person needs to have Duo installed as well. So let's say that uh, Zoner did have it installed. I could say, open up a new conversation with Zoner, and my phone will say, great, you want to email him, call him, uh, text him, or Duo. And I can click Duo, and then it immediately opens up a one-to-one -one video call with him. What's really great is the fact that it then also gives him a knock feature. So by me initiating the call, it's kind of like I'm knocking on his phone. He can pick it up, see who it is it's calling, and he can see me. So you can see, okay, I'm right now in my office. I'm wearing normal clothing. I'm whatever. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he can see, oh, okay, it's Zook. He's calling me from his office, and he can then choose to answer. Now, why would that matter? Well, let's say, have you ever seen Demolition Man? Yes, many times. I love the movie. Okay, you know, there's this I still don't know scene. what the shells are for, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess kind of a twisting motion. I don't know. So, when Sylvester Stallone first gets to his new apartment, and he has that huge TV, someone video calls him immediately, right? And it just auto-picks up. And it's a very attractive girl wearing lingerie who apologizes saying that she called a wrong number. Uh-huh. Right? And it's just a throwaway joke because it's from the late 90s. And just in case it made it to uh, cable, it needed a bit of TNA. Well, this prevents that. If someone's calling you, if Zoner's wife 
uses Duo to call him, and he's at work, and he can see the knock feature and see, oh, she's dressed scantily, suggestively, from home. I probably don't want to take this right now at work. Yes. He can deny the call. Or if she's calling from the car because she has a question, he can see that and say, oh, okay, it's appropriate. I can take that right now. Mm-hmm. So this kind of, this is kind of a nice way to... Uh, to bypass this. Now that feature is not available yet in iOS. I think they're, and and you can turn the feature off as well, but I mean, why would you, you're worried about your privacy. You're about to video call a person. Yeah. <laughs> like what privacy there, are we hoping no for? Privacy. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you have an Android, if you have iOS, this is a cool little thing to pick up. Zoner, what would you say is uh, Gmail's, sorry, not Gmail, Google's biggest thing when it comes to launching new products? Are they easy to use? Are they totally finished? Uh, they're never totally finished, it seems. I mean, Gmail was in beta for like eight years, if I recall. Yeah. Um, but they are, I mean, Google does like a minimal interface. They do like, you know, relatively simple interaction with the with the app at least from my experience and you know i'm one of these high-tech people so maybe it's like giving a squirrel a wrench and telling them to go build a car for other people but for me it's it's generally pretty simple yeah um and i would agree and uh, google is known for launching incomplete products and relying on user feedback to complete the software right this, however, is exactly the opposite. It really is just that dead simple. There's like one button. It's it's stupid simple. <laughs> now, does how does the how does the video quality? I mean, is is it pretty pretty solid? Is that dependent on your connection and your camera more than you would expect? Um, you know, hard to say. I've only used it on Wi-Fi. Um, the video was very clear, very clear sounding as well. Uh, Schmidt was able to use his front-facing camera. Then he switched to the back-facing camera and showed me his coworkers. I did the same thing. Um, I mean, if you've used FaceTime or you've even seen using FaceTime, it was way simpler than that. It's simpler than starting a uh, a video Skype conversation. It's simpler than starting a video Hangout conversation. Okay. It is. It is dead simple. I mean, I can't stress that enough. That's so. That's good to know. I usually use Skype when I go on the road for work to to call home and chat with the family. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe this is what I'll do going yeah, forward. Yeah, and my wife and I we usually use Hangouts. So see, I've never had good luck with Hangouts and video call calls um, he says ironically while we're doing a video hangout to record this show from my phone let me let me specify from my phone Fair it just, enough. and it's generally when i'm doing it it's generally because i'm in a hotel and i have a feeling that the hotel wi-fi is very much to blame for that it probably is but yeah i've i've never had a lot of a lot of success using my phone and hangouts for video calling well, you should try this. I just sent you an invite. And everyone else should, too. There's a link in the show notes. It's free. It's cool. Now, this isn't their other one, whose name I've already forgotten, that uh, offers... Allo? Allo? Yeah, Allo, which uh, will uh, encrypt 
do end-to-end encryption of the messages. So that's coming up soon here still. And I guess they've got some pretty awesome stickers that like involve nipples and condoms and all sorts of stuff. So I don't know. Have you not heard that, Zook? <laughs> For everyone out there in podcast land, I'm giving the most confused look ever as to why my co-host has just gone entirely off the effing rails. (laughs) Yeah, they've got, I guess, um, Alo is going to have some some sticker packs, kind of like, I guess Twitter just introduced some, but like Facebook Messenger has. And one of them is called Julio the Bull. And yeah, it's it's a little bit, um, there's some that are odd. I guess. So I'll, I'll send you the send you the link so that you don't think I'm completely making this crap up. Will they have uh, Pusheen the cat? That's all I care. Um, I don't know if they do or not. But I mean, the, the title of this article, Condoms, Butts, and Nipples, a first look at some of Google Allo's hilarious sticker packs. So, yeah, take that for what you will. I think they have a different definition of hilarious. I agree. I agree. But Mm. hey. (laughs) Curse you autocorrect.com is about to get really interesting with some of these new sticker packs. Sending it to the wrong people. Um, You know, we've talked a lot on this show about security. And we always come back to good passwords equal good security, right? Uh, It's not everything you can do, but it definitely helps. There's this thing that people have. It's called a password scanner where you enter in a potential password and it tells you how secure it is. And I've seen these that range from very secure, not very secure to ones that tell you actually how long it would take to brute force that password. One where you just basically hit it as many times you can with different combinations until it finds the right one. And I've always had kind of a love-hate relationship with it because it's the easiest way to show someone how secure or unsecure your password is. And at the same time, there seems something inherently unsecure about telling a website what your password is. Yeah, I've always thought that was a little bit interesting and ironic. Well, it seems like they may not be as useful as they uh, once claimed because it turns out many of them can't detect easy-to-crack examples. Okay. I just so there's there's some that are just super 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 dumb. Okay, um, uh, ABC one two three trust no and then the number one NCC one seven zero one um, I love you exclamation point prime time twenty one. Um, all of them were broken in under a second by popular password cracking tools. However, many of them past the the password checking websites because as far as they were concerned oh well it's over six characters it's a combination of letters and numbers many of them have exclamation points or special characters it's like um yeah but no yeah i i don't i think that maybe what they do is they just look like you said and say oh well there's letters and numbers or oh it's this many characters and at at first glance it doesn't appear to be a a word or something from the dictionary right and i don't think that they're really digging 
deep into it like a human actually would or like a, a password cracker would. Well, and that is kind of the problem. A lot of times that there's a great uh, comic from XKCD that talks about this, where over the years we've designed passwords that are hard for humans to remember and easy for computers to crack. Back in the day, people all assumed that humans would be the ones cracking all the passwords. Yeah. And that's turned out, no, it's not the case. Bots crack passwords because they can do it way faster than humans can. And so, you know what? NCC-1701 may stump a computer for a while. But say it's our old friend Stark. That would probably be the first password I would guess for him because I'm a human <laughs> and I know him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like... Ooh, I hope we didn't just out his passwords. <laughs> Hashtag hacks Stark is on. <laughs> it's the year of the Stark, baby. So I don't know. I I still stand by my assertion that the best password solution is an AI that is dedicated to protecting your identity. Each of us have our own. You know, I. I, I think you've got the right solution in the way that you do your passwords with spaces and all sorts of nonsense like that. Because that just makes it like exponentially more difficult to to crack a password. And like at work, we have password requirements. And when I when I started with this company, I thought, holy crap, these are insane. But it's a minimum 14-character-long password, and it's got to be changed every 90 days. Do you know how hard it is to come up with a 14-character-long password that's got special characters and, I mean, all sorts of crap in it and actually remember it? I mean, it's it's, it's freaking hard. Are you allowed spaces? And so, yes, we are allowed spaces. So I've actually started using quotes. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, just use quotes. And so, I mean... That's easy. That's an easy way to do it. But, you know, what are the odds that some password cracker is going to figure that out? You've got a 22-character-long password with spaces in it. It's going to be hard, I would think. Yeah. Um, There was a previous employer I worked at. uh, We encrypted all the uh, hard drives after a couple of the servers went missing. That was fun. There was potentially, not potentially, there was real sensitive information on those servers. So they made the decision to encrypt all hard drives across the entire organization. Well, the entire organization needed one encryption salt key. And it couldn't be disclosed to anyone. But you couldn't forget it either. Because if you forgot it, you could potentially have the entire organization encrypted and no one could ever decrypt it ever. Uh Uh-huh. I created one that was like 57 characters long. It was this huge, long statement. And it was this deliberately horrible run-on sentence. And I put something like it into one of these password sites, and it said that it would have taken like 20 quintillion years to crack it. Like the sun would burn out before anyone ever broke the encryption key. Uh huh. And then I left the company. And I really hope someone ever caught my email on what that key was, because... <laughs> That's fun. I just realized that everyone who was in that department's gone now. They outsourced IT. Huh. Oh, well. Oh, I'm sure they figured it out. It's it's not a big deal. What could possibly go wrong? Um, How about maybe the NSA knew what it was already? Oh, is this not the biggest freaking mess you've ever seen? 
It's a huge mess. Okay, so we discussed it a bit last week that a server that could have possibly been owned by the NSA and used it and used as a front to hack other targets was compromised. All the tools in it were stolen and are now up for auction uh, by a group known as the Shadow Brokers, which is a great uh, character from Mass Effect. I just now caught that. I um, actually didn't catch that until you said that. Well, yeah, hey. Don't mess with those Asari, man. They will screw you over every time. Indeed, they will. Um, and not just because they're promiscuous. <laughs> Carry on. I think we just lost Joe with that one. Did we, you think? I I want like video of Joe spitting coffee out her nose all over her monitor as she's listening to us. We can just make a GIF of it. Yeah, because that would just be awesome. Um, okay, so it has been confirmed as best it can be confirmed that, yes, this was the NSA's tool box. Someone got in there, got all of it, and stole it. The NSA, of course, isn't confirming it, but everyone who's looked at it says, yeah, this looks like theirs. Some of the codes have really, really unique mathematics to it that are only used by a group called the Equation Group, who they believe are like the frontline hackers for the NSA. And what's really annoying and I use that term lightly. Really, I should use something worse, but I'm going to go with annoying. Many of these are from like 2013 and deal with zero-day vulnerabilities that were never disclosed. So like Cisco, as soon as these um, vulnerabilities came out, as soon as these hacking tools came out, a lot of these are used to um, get into Cisco networks, Juniper networks, Aruba networks, which are some of the biggest enterprise-level providers. And Cisco immediately produced like three critical patches to their entire infrastructure. So that was the first time they had ever seen some of these vulnerabilities. Yeah. And this is from three years ago. Now, people will say, well, sure, the NSA has access to that. It's national security. Well, two and a half years ago, President Obama signed into law that all intelligence agencies need to submit any zero-day vulnerability they find for review, that if it is something that could really weaken America's cybersecurity, it has to be disclosed. Yeah. Which means that the NSA has been going rogue from the Obama administration this entire time because all of these vulnerabilities run counter to that. They're all illegal by that. You know, though, I think, I think our entire government has just gone rogue. I mean... They don't even listen to themselves, man. Uh, I, I think you've got a whole lot of the one hand doesn't know what the other is doing, nor does it really care until it gets busted. And I mean, yeah. And Edward Snowden, who, by the way, is not dead. He's back on Twitter this week talking about this. He said that the reason that the NSA was hacked is because they left catastrophic flaws in U.S. networks for over three years so that they could use them. I mean, they they leave all these vulnerabilities open so that they have easier access instead of doing their job and patching stuff and then going about it the right way. Well, it used to be that our intelligence agencies looked at other countries, right? They tried to spy secrets out of them. And uh, since the Patriot Act, sorry, Patriot Act passed, they just spent all that time and energy looking at us instead. Yeah. 
Yeah, homegrown terrorism, that's the that's the real concern here. And I'll tell you what, you keep pissing people off and it will be. Um don't say it. Don't say a Trumpism. <laughs> no, I'm not. But the uh, Edward Snowden actually gave like 13 points talking about this on Twitter. And <clears throat> the TLDR version of it is uh, he says, quote, this leak looks like somebody sending a message that an escalation in the attribution game could get messy fast. Isn't so, it ironic you need a TLDR version of a Twitter conversation? It really is. But, I mean, that's like, it was over 12 other tweets that he just TLDR'd that. Hey, let's let's stay on this terrorism stream and go uh, forward a headline into Twitter, actually. Yeah, that's a nice segue there. Yeah, that worked well. Um, please uh, don't be offended by my headline for this. <laughs> If you go to the site and look at our show notes, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, well, maybe you should for this one. But Twitter actually banned a whole ton of accounts, 235,000 accounts um, promoting terrorism. Now, I've seen a couple different things. I've seen in the last six months, and this article says since mid-2015. Well, no, it brings the the total. They just banned... Over the last six months, 235,000, bringing the entire total year-to-date from mid-2015 to 360,000. Oh, okay, that's right. I see that now. Um, Now, Twitter was always about freedom of speech. But as we were discussing in the pre-show, you know, everybody's got to have their safe space now. And the internet has to be a safe space for everybody or else you have to go and cry and be triggered. I just want to know where my safe space is because um, it sure as hell ain't the internet. But um, they used to like be very pro-free speech, and now they're all about banning users and cracking down on people. I mean, Larry Correa has told me he stopped using Twitter because of the shadow banning that was taking place to conservatives. And he was shadow banned, and he said, okay, I'm done with this. This is ridiculous. But now they're just straight up outright banning people, and they say it's for promoting terrorism. I wonder how loosely they're using the definition of the word terrorism. Yeah, and the problem is is that we don't we aren't really seeing any kind of uh, examples here. Now, like one person, uh, Anjem Chowdhury, who was an actual proponent of ISIS, got his account banned. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Sure. And if it's 235,000 accounts like that, then yes. Sure. I understand that. But that's the problem. We don't know. No, we don't. For uh, for all intents and purposes, um, Donald Trump's little comment about Second Amendment people could be construed as domestic terrorism. It could be. I wouldn't be that far off. Even if we have listeners out there who like him, I don't care. I wouldn't be that far off in saying that. Does that mean that Twitter finally banned him? Because evidently he accounts for like 40% of their traffic. No, obviously he didn't. So we don't know what it is that they actually banned. But it is kind of funny that it does take them forever to ban people who are known trolls, people who are known to be um, bullying, sexist, violent instigators of violence. And they won't step in. But then they turn around and ban this many accounts with little to no oversight. 
that being said, it's their service. You know, we've talked about this before. You don't have freedom of speech on the internet. Sorry, you really don't. No, you don't. I mean, it's it's a bunch of private stuff. If you come on our site, StolenDroids.com, and start spewing crap, I'm going to shut you down. And it may be humiliating. It may be I just delete your account. I, I, I don't know. I guess it depends on what happens. But you're not free to just go and say crap wherever you want, whenever you want. The First Amendment doesn't guarantee that. What it does is guarantee that the government won't throw you in jail for criticizing them. Right. And I think that people forget about that. I think that I, I really think that people forget about that a lot. But in a private, you come in my house and you start insulting my wife, I'll lay you flat and then throw you out of my house. You know, it's Whatever. not her fault that she accidentally duoed him, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I just, I, I, I want more information on this Twitter deal. I want to know who they're, who they're considering terrorists. What's promoting terrorism? If somebody says, you know, America sucks, Allah Akbar, whatever. Is that terrorism? Or... Hashtag Turka Turka. <laughs> or are they... Are they, like, just looking at people and, you know, whatever. I don't know. I just want more information. I, I really feel like we need more. If that's not a show title, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, You know, and... Let's be perfectly fair and perfectly honest here. It could be that they actually just banned 235,000 bots. Twitter bots run rampant. It could just be one actual terrorist and a whole crap ton of bots that are meant to like forward retweet and auto respond to everything with terroristic threats. It's quite possible. We just don't know. They're not actually giving any information. No, they're not. Which makes me wonder, too. If Did they just ban bots? Are they just making themselves look awesome when all they did was ban a bunch of Twitter bots? I hadn't even considered that. Crap. Now I'm, like, feeling triggered. <laughs> what else can we talk about? Um... Let's see here. Let's go into Windows 10. Okay. Windows 10 recently released, or sorry, Microsoft recently released the anniversary update of Windows 10. Um, if you don't have it already, check your uh, your updates. You, uh, you probably actually have it just waiting to install. Um, it's a pretty awesome update. It changes some things the way Cortana works, ways the start menu is organized, little updates here and there, nothing so massive. It feels like a new OS, just some welcome changes. One thing it isn't so welcome. Um, if you happen to use a webcam, chances are good. It may not work anymore. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. Now it's only certain webcams and it's only in a certain way, but by the way, that it happens to be the way that like millions of people use it. See, Microsoft disabled the ability for USB webcams to use a motion JPEG or H.264 encoding on their streams uh, for reasons that are a bit more complex than I want to get into right now. So it only allows them to use the new UYU2 encoding. 
Well, that's great, right? Microsoft is all about getting rid of this legacy crap that we've been holding on to for so long. But the only problem is, is that many programs that use webcams, such as Skype, all Which use is a the, Microsoft product. Yeah, uh, all use the H.264 encoding. I love the irony of that. I know. I know. It's great. So if you've recently updated your computer and you use Skype, and after using the webcam, suddenly your entire computer crashes or Skype crashes, there's a reason why. It's because of this update. But we have found um, a workaround. It's a registry hack that allows you to gain access to your webcam again. Um, I will say it doesn't seem to affect onboard webcams, just USB ones. So if you've got a laptop that's got the, the onboard webcam, you might be okay. Right. Don't quote us on that, but you might be okay. I've been okay. Yeah, Zook has been okay, and since he's been okay, chances are you will too, hopefully. But if you're not, let us know, because that's good information to have. Indeed. Um, let's see here. Moving into news of the really what the crap, why are we still talking about this? Thank you, Facebook. It's funny because I saw this headline pop up. Uh, Zana, I think you put it in the show notes. Yeah. And um, I immediately was thrown back to like four years ago. Facebook is looking to launch its own gaming service that would compete against Steam. Is that even possible at this point? No. No, it's not. Um, but it's cute of them to think it is. It's adorable. Yeah. Now, the reason I know that we've already talked about this, because I remember Stark and Schmitty going on about how many purple cows can one gaming service deliver to your PC. Apparently, they want to test that out and find out how many they really can yeah i mean back when we first talked about this when when news of this was first circulating around that facebook wanted it really the only game on facebook that anyone was playing was farmville and i gotta be honest have there been any new ones since i don't know i don't use facebook for gaming because i'm like a gamer I don't think most people do. And I think most of the casual gamers who were playing Farmville all have smartphones now. Yeah. So I'm confused. Is Facebook hoping to deliver the next Halo to my PC? Or are we talking about like their own client to download Bejeweled Blitz? I I want to say that they're going to deliver the next Halo. However, in real, in realistic terms... I think they're going to be bringing Candy Crush to your to your PC via their platform. But why? That's the question. If you have Windows 10, go into the Windows Store, the App Store. You can get Candy Crush. Yeah. It it seems completely unnecessary to me. Yet I think Facebook is mostly completely unnecessary as well. Yeah, if it weren't for my family and our fans. I know, I know. Facebook at this point is a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of kind of weird realizations, weird thoughts, but one, in this case, one that goes the opposite way, Google is looking at uh, adding a new tab. The developer version of Chrome always adds new things and takes away new things, and the new tab, meaning that when you add a new tab and it 
opens up like your recents or your favorites or your most used, they're always tweaking it. Well, some uh, developers have found that if you flip a certain configuration flag in your dev version and your beta version, the new tab becomes a Google Now page. That's freaking awesome. It's freaking about time is what it is. Oh, you know I know the agree. major reason I use Microsoft's version of the personal assistant? Because she's there on my PC already. Yeah. And Google Now wasn't. I found it infuriating that sitting at my computer, I didn't have any easy way to see what my schedule was, when my packages were coming in, any of these things. That's why I had to go with Microsoft's version. And don't get me wrong, I love it. I love her. She's great. She works. But Google came out with this first. Why is it taking them so long to finally bring this to the computer? I know it makes no sense, and you know you get little nuggets of it with Chrome and and desktop notifications and stuff, but nothing like nothing like Cortana. Yeah, and in the Chrome notifications are just pissing me off now anyway because it's a stopgap. Okay, I have Facebook, the Facebook app, installed on my computer. I have Facebook on Chrome. And I have Cortana installed on my phone as well. So when I get a notification from Facebook, the computer picks up on it from the Chrome notification. The computer picks up from it from the uh, the built-in from the installed Facebook app, and my phone passes it along to Cortana on my computer. So I get like three notifications for everything. Oh, that's annoying. If I could just disable that all and just have a Google Now interface or a single assistant interface, I would, regardless of the platform. Yeah. Yes. Good job, Google. Took you long enough. Yeah, and I hope... I know that I said earlier that, you know, it's beta and half-released. We talked about that stuff, and... I hope that this isn't one of those things where it's just a complete disaster until they spend six months working on it, getting it right. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, and unfortunately, um, not not trying to be the uh, the naysayer here, many of the things that are in the dev build of Chrome and even in the beta don't always make it into the final build. No, they don't. So I guess time will tell. Um, in news that I don't know how to classify, Uber has started to launch self-driving cars around the Pittsburgh area. Have they started or are they starting later this month? Oh, geez, that's a good question. Let's see. I, I think that I think they're getting ready to start. Yes. Yes. This month they will be. But this opens up a whole bunch of questions. One, how suicidal do you have to be to voluntarily call an autonomous vehicle over to yourself and then get in? I thought we were still at the point where these things are trying to go through federal regulation and a government approval before they can even hit the roads. Yet I, I thought so, too. Um, and even ones like the Tesla, where it's your car and you are behind the wheel, are still being considered a beta test. Yeah. So I'm really curious how Uber is doing this. 
I'm also curious, is it still ride sharing if someone isn't sharing a ride anymore? You know, I don't think Uber and Lyft are really ride sharing, in all honesty, because the way that they do their apps, you go online as a driver and you're basically a taxi at that point. Because it's not like, oh, well, I'm going to work, so let me give you a lift. It's, oh, you're going to work. I've got to go to the airport. So you take me to the airport, and then while you're on airport property, you'll get another call from somebody at the airport who needs to go 60 miles south of here. You know, it's just, you're a taxi. Yeah. So I I'm very interested, though, to see... How first of all, how Uber is pulling this off with the self-driving cars, and then also what passengers think. Like you said, how suicidal do you have to be? I don't think I'm ready to trust a self-driving car yet. I don't trust most Uber drivers. That's a good point. You know, if I'm in Vegas, you know, if we're down in Vegas going to CES, you know, I'm going to call a taxi before I call Uber because I know that yeah, they may be crazy, but at least they're professional. At least I have some kind of recourse should something go wrong. That is true. Otherwise, I'm just getting into a stranger's car in Vegas. Which is really weird, because remember as kids, we were always told, don't get into strangers' cars. Don't give out your personal information on the internet. And now, it's like you're giving out your personal information on the internet to a stranger who's going to come pick you up in their car. I find it very entertaining. If there's no candy, I'm not getting in that car. Hey. I've I've heard I was talking to my brother. A lot of Uber drivers do have candy. Oh, hey, I'm in that. Yep. Forget everything I just said. Yep. But if it's a self-driving car, will they have I don't know, self-eating candy? <laughs> will there be candy even in the car? I don't know. You meant to go somewhere with that joke. I realize you did and you went straight into dad joke territory. I did. Because I'm a dad. It's what I do. I do, too, but I have to turn it off for this for this show. I, I changed midstream there. So. Don't cross those streams. No, don't cross the streams. Hey, um, we all love Verizon, right? You well, know, not actually, horrible. not so much. That's why no. I left them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not horrible, but they're not great either. They're, they're like s- any company. Their coverage is generally good. But you pay a lot for it. Yeah. Um, I'm on T-Mobile, and I pay less for it, and, and so are you. And I've just come to expect that T-Mobile phones have a lot more bloatware, that is, stuff installed by T-Mobile, than other carriers do, mainly because I am getting such a discount. Right? It's like those Kindles or those e-readers that you get for free, and yeah. in turn you have to look at ads. You know, I, I get that. Uh, but Verizon evidently um, has a different thought on that. See, they want to add more bloatware to your phone, which will only make it better. And they're going to actually start taking in offers and agreements with other third-party developers to preload your phone with their apps. This doesn't help you as the consumer at all. This is all for Verizon. And what's worse is, and I don't know, I don't have not confirmed this, but most bloatware installed by carriers cannot be uninstalled. No, it can't. Um, unless you have root access, then then I think you can. I've been able to, but they some changed. of them, yeah, some of them you can disable or freeze. Yeah, they've changed the game where you can't even. I mean, even if you uninstall it, it will reinstall. 
mm-hmm. which is I garbage. Have, I have that problem just with Android Pay. I don't use Android Pay at all. I use Samsung Pay. Yes. And I can't disable Android Pay. Every time I disable it, it says, great, I'm going to uninstall it and go back to the uh, the original version I had, and I'm going to disable it. I said, yes, do that. And then the next day, oh, hey, look, there's an update for Android Pay, and it re-enables itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It. I think I've managed to freeze it, but... Yeah, I'm not seeing it again, but I think I managed to disable it, and it hasn't been a problem. At least Android yeah. Pay, anyways. But there are other apps that I uninstall or, or freeze, and there they are again. But like you said, it's it's T-Mobile, and you just kind of expect it. But surprisingly, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of bloatware on my T-Mobile phone compared to the phones I had with Verizon. Well, that's why it's going to get a lot worse. So, yay, Verizon. Sticking it to the customers. But, you know, it's interesting, too, because they're they're looking for between one and two bucks for each device that, that they install these apps on. That's going to add up really quick. You think they're going to pass that on to the consumer? Because I don't. No, they definitely won't. They're, they're passing on. It, to them, it's just free money. It doesn't cost them anything. They're sticking it to their customers that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I'll never forget my first my first Android phone that I got from Verizon, and I've mentioned this before, had the Blockbuster app on it. Blockbuster had gone bankrupt like six months earlier. Yeah. And I couldn't uninstall it. It was completely worthless, but there it was, and Verizon was getting paid for it. I think we're going to really start seeing a backlash against against bloatware if Verizon starts doing this. Yeah. Yeah, and we should, as we should. Computers, uh, Dell had to learn this long ago. Dell's used to be the worst. They were loaded with so much bloatware, it was untenable. Um, I don't even know if that's an actual word, but it sounded right right then. And so <laughs> Dell would give you the option of, um, when you if you customized your system, you could like pay an extra $5, and they would remove it down to what they called a bare-bones system. So it was basically Windows on there and nothing else. And it was so popular that Dell just started doing it in general. Now Dells have some of the fewest bits of bloatware on there. Usually the Dell update system, and that's it. Meanwhile, you have HPs. You down you you, you buy a printer, and suddenly you have twelve new icons on your desktop. Oh, for I a hate printer. that. I hate that. And, and by the way, it does sound like untenable was the correct word there. Uh, especially of a position or view not able to be maintained or defended against attack or objection. Woohoo! You vocabulary well. I do. I vocabulary awesomely. <laughs> or is it well or is it good? You vocabulary good. I like the sound of that better. No, it's well. I know it, that, but that's why I like good better. Do not vocabulary evilly. Yes. <laughs> oh, that actually hurt my brain right there. It really did. You know, you know, Schmitty's just like having a stroke right now as we're doing this. He's <laughs> just like twitching. I smell copper. I smell copper. <laughs> I taste pennies. What's going on? <laughs> okay. It's the pennies out of his mouth. Let's move on to Pokemon. Pokemon has seemed to be cannot like get out of the news lately. Well, if either it's super popular, or it's being hated on, or it's, hey, so easy to cheat, or, hey, they're giving lifetime bans, which, oh, by the way, if you didn't hear, if they catch you cheating, they will ban you for life. Yes. You can appeal it, but, I mean, good luck. Yeah. 
Um, so there is a mayor in France, um, Fabrice Beauvoir. Uh, Beauvoir, excuse me. Uh, he wants to uh, ban Pokemon Go from his entire town. Um, it's not really a town; it's more a settlement. <laughs> You make it sound like it's a bunch of covered wagons just in a circle. They're just squatting. Let's be honest. Uh, it's a it's a town um, northeast of Lyon. It's 800 people. And he claims that Niantic didn't ask for permission before opening up shop in his town. I, I think that this, again, is an awesome example of how people in Europe just do not understand how the internet works or how yeah. technology in general works well it's kind of like france again france and their issue with google doing google maps remember that yeah. it's like well who said you could see our roads we can see your freaking roads they're right there they're roads yeah i mean it is what it is i think it's hilarious though because he wants niantic as you said to ask for permission they say when a cafe or restaurant owner wants to open up in a French town, they have to ask the mayor's permission. And nobody asked the mayor his permission. Do cell phone companies have to ask permission? I mean, does the television signal coming into their little settlement have to ask permission? I can't even Im- That's just the stupidest argument that I've ever heard in my life. I don't. Well, it sounds very French. It really does. Yeah, it, it is. This is mine, and you don't have permission to do anything with what's mine, despite the fact that I may or may not actually have the authority to block you from doing this. And that's kind of the definition. That's kind of the difference between uh, um, the American way of looking at things versus the European way, or at least the French way. It, it seems like in America, if you're the mayor, you're a public servant. Yeah. And if you're in France, if you're the mayor, you still think that you're somehow a lord of nobility and you own this area and your fief have to pay you. Although I think we're kind of at that point again in American politics. Now, if your feudal lord has not given permission to play Pokemon Go, then by all means, don't do it. We'd hate to see you sold off or beheaded. So uh, to the people of this town, you know, use your own discretion there. But really... What's that's just that's just absurd to me. I mean, I get taking it out of the Holocaust Museum. I get taking it out of like Arlington National Cemetery and these other places where they've requested. Look, that's not what this is for. Yeah. This place is sacred ground. Let's keep it that way. I totally understand that, and I have no problem with it. But for the mayor to say, "Well, you never asked for my permission," that's just garbage. Uh, also. The entire country of Iran. Yeah, yeah, let's not forget that. But to be perfectly honest, I don't think I want to go wandering in there anyway, looking for, <laughs> with my virtual machine out that can capture pictures and video. I think that's a quick way to get shot. I think it's a very quick way to get shot. I think just being an American in Iran is a quick way to get shot, or at the very least, captured and held prisoner. Yes. But hey, we do know that the Obama administration will send four hundred million over there to four hundred million dollars over there. Don't rescue out. me yet. I swear there's a Charizard around here somewhere. <laughs> I'll let you know when I find it. Then you can rescue me. I just need six more magic cart before I can evolve. Um also in Pokemon news. 
This one is horribly hilarious. <laughs> yes, it so, is. So, um, Niantic has two different ways of banning people. They figured out how to do an account ban and an IP ban. If they know that a particular account is hacking, they'll ban the account. If they believe it is an IP or an IP range, they'll ban that range. Now, if you ban the range or the IP, you can still log in. You just won't see anything around you. Pokemon won't show up. Pokestops won't show up. Gyms won't show up. Nothing shows up. You can still log in. You can still walk around. The map still moves. It's just basically unusable. Well, to test how they're getting this, a Redditor posted a thread about how he was going to hit it from this particular IP address and just start scraping the backend data, kind of the way PokeVision used to do. PokeVision was the website that you could log in and see exactly which Pokemon were where, uh, how long they were going to be there, when they were going to despawn. It was wonderful. It made playing the game so much fun. It did. It really did. Well, um, Niantic didn't like that. And suddenly, those IP addresses were blocked. Like, absolutely banned. Well, here's the problem. That IP block wasn't a private IP address. It wasn't even his. It belonged to a cell phone provider, and it was the national block. So, basically, if you have a cell phone in Belgium, you can't play this game. Because Niantic has blocked the entire damn country. <laughs> Yeah. Now it should be noted it was just the one cell phone provider. I um I think it was Proximus. I think, is but that, it's like their biggest one. Yeah, and so I mean, uh, switch carriers, I guess. But I think that is awesomely hilarious. Overreact much, man? You know, I think that they are feeling a little bit sensitive because they've lost twenty percent of their users, which you kind of expect that that is going to happen with a with a mobile game because you know there is attrition but a lot of those users seem to have left once they started uh quote unquote improving the game by removing the tracking functionality and the stuff that actually makes it possible to catch pokemon well, their their feeling is and I understand where they're coming from, they want the game to be approachable by all. Meaning that even Except though Except if you're in Belgium. <laughs> yeah. Well, screw them. What well, what are you gonna catch there anyway, Mr. Mime? I don't think so. No thank you. <laughs> but so um the idea is is that they want like a a twelve year old who just started playing today. Um, to ha- be able to go out and have the same fun time catching Pokemon, finding stops, finding gyms, um, all this different stuff, right? And instead, you have people using emulators, GPS spoofing, powering themselves up to obscene levels, powering up their Pokemon, and squatting at gyms and can't be moved because they're so unbeatable. Like, how on earth are you going to take on a 3,000 Dragonite? You can't. And so they're what, trying my to... C- my CP57 Pidgey won't do that? No, no. Damn. Well, you will have Kentucky Fried Pidgey. Oh, um, but the idea is, is that they're going to try and level the playing field that way by taking it away from the cheaters. The problem is, is that obviously these people aren't familiar with Pokemon players because if you aren't 12 and play Pokemon, chances are good you're kind of hardcore into it. Yeah. 
if you're in your 30s and still playing Pokemon, you don't do anything halfway. <laughs> you really don't, do you? <laughs> you know, you buy gold and you buy silver. You buy ruby and emerald or onyx or whatever the crap it is. You bought white and black just to catch them all. You are you are all in on this one. You and want to be the very best there has ever been. Like no one ever was. And frankly, some of these people are paying upwards around $500 in supplies. Look, if they're paying you that much money, maybe you just want to let them get away with their location spoofing. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I dropped a lure today, and I was kind of pissed, because all I got were a bunch of Pidgeys and Rattatas. I was not happy at all. Such a waste of my effort. Indeed. Good thing it's just virtual stuff. Yeah, on that sad note. Uh, Let's go to our favorites. Mine's a little bit different. It's a YouTube video, which is in itself not different. A gentleman hooked a first-person view camera. I don't think it's a GoPro, but it might be, to a Hot Wheels car. And then he set up a track. And then he edited multiple compilations of different tracks together. Now... If you watch this, every time it goes into a tunnel, he cuts it to a new segment. And he flat out says that in the comments. He's not trying to say this is all one. And in some cases, it would be physically impossible for it to be all one one run. But you don't realize that those cars get going pretty freaking fast. I mean, if we're talking scale miles an hour, we're talking a few hundred miles an hour. All I know is that it's fun to watch this, especially the underwater section. And if this were an actual uh, amusement park ride, you'd die immediately. I think you'd just basically be turned to uh, to chunky salsa as soon as the ride took off. Oh, that's awful. That's awful. So my favorite this time uh, is uh, it's back to school time. We know that. No big, no, no big surprise there. I, I've. And if you listen to this show at all over the last five years, you know that I'm a Star Wars guy. There is a Mandalorian armor backpack, uh, Boba Fett's Mandalorian armor backpack, for sale right now on ThinkGeek. $70, holds a laptop. I mean, looks like it's a pretty good-sized backpack, unless this dude carrying it is small. Uh, But, I mean, it's a fairly decent-sized backpack, but I got to tell you, this thing is awesome. I need to get one. I like really need to get one because that will just bump up my my credibility so much at Comic Con. Cred nothing. Look at some of those pockets. You got to think his his ammo pockets on his belt oh, yeah. actually work very well on a on a backpack. Oh, it's 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 a beautiful backpack too. I absolutely love it. I need to get this. So if anybody wants to get it for me, you know, feel free. I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it, but yeah, this needs this needs to be included in my um, belongings. Uh, but it is ages fourteen and up, so if you buy it for your six year old who's going to his first day of kindergarten, he's he's breaking the rules there by not being fourteen plus. Ah, uh, gotcha. So I guess I can't uh, I can't give this to my twelve year old then. Probably better not. I'm sure there's like dangers and lawsuits involved if that happens. Indeed. 
All right. Well, that is our show this week. Hey, if you have any feedback for us, let us know. Feedback at StolenDroids.com. Give us a call, 801-917-GEEK. Follow us on Twitter. Friend us on Facebook. Don't leave anything on the site, because seriously, just don't. I mean... (laughs) It will not be seen until, like, next month. So leave us something on the site. Just leave us something like an Easter egg, something that'll be funny when we find it, not something you're expecting an answer to right then. And until next time, cheers. Good day. This has been a Stolen Droids Media Production.